Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the More Perfect Union, the podcast that offers real debate without the hate. Hello, I'm Kevin Kelton, and tonight from the right we have... DJ McGuire, a progressive conservative from Suffolk, Virginia. And from the left, we have Greg Matuzak, a common sense liberal whose voice is hoarse from yelling at all those elected <laughs> officials <laughs> from Cincinnati, Ohio. And Rebecca Kushmeider, a progressive feminist from Kensington, Maryland. And I consider myself a passionate moderate from Los Angeles, California. And we want to first uh, remind our audience that we have a website where we write articles that we post during the week. It's moreperfectunionpodcast.com. DJ, I'm going to start with you. You uh, posted one just the other day about a Harvard CAPS poll that you felt had some uh, questionable data. Yeah, I did. Uh, whenever Whenever pollsters do surveys, they have to make sure that they do what's called a representative sample. That almost never happens with the people they talk to. So they put it, they make certain respondents, they have greater weight added to them to make it a more representative sample. I looked at the weights that were used and some of them were just completely effed up. And I mentioned that in the piece. Uh, I think I, I said the poll collapsed under its own weight. And so the polls uh, results suggested that Trump was uh, more popular than he's been showing in other polls. And you feel that the data was compromised? Yeah, it was weighted wrong. They had they had far too few folks with college with uh, college degrees, and that I think really just skewed everything. Okay, and Rebecca, you wrote another "Pop Goes the Political Culture" column, and I love this one. You want to tell the, the ladies and gentlemen what it was about? Well, this was an uplifting column. I had a really great environmental news story this week where uh, some. Rhino poachers in South Africa received justice at the uh, hands or claws and teeth of some lions who ate them. <laughs> I mean, I you know, poach rhinos, you're going to get eaten by lions, potentially. I, I feel like this is do the best. Do you poach your, your rhinos in boiled water, or how do you poach them? <laughs> With a little bit of vinegar and salt, I find that. Oh, uh, okay. Um, I, no, I do, yeah, do not, do not <laughs> wow. come after me for rhino poaching, please. I've never actually been near a rhino. <laughs> and Greg, I know you were too busy to write this week because you were out yelling at uh, all the elected officials you could find. I know every elected official in in like a three block radius. I was like, <laughs> "Boo, shame!" I had a cowbell. So you were like yelling at the the secretary for the PTA, and oh, I was, I was <laughs> you know, someone yelling. from the board of your swimming pool. My mailman, the yeah. dog catcher. Yeah. And, and what about like, Jim Jordan? Did you yell at him? Are you kidding? The the guy who brought me Amazon packages? I was like, shame! <laughs> shame! Well, there is one elected official that you actually are particularly upset about this week. 
I understand you're not too happy with Representative Jim Jordan from your home state. First of all, I'm never particularly happy about Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan, of course, is the leader of the Freedom Caucus, uh, which is a assorted collective of douchebags. Um, <laughs> but these Jim Jordan is kind of an icon in northern Ohio. He's a um, a former wrestling coach at Ohio State, and he's actually in the Ohio Wrestling Hall of Fame, if you guys didn't know that. And wrestling is huge in Ohio. Well, then he must be a great guy, right, if he helped young wrestlers find their way in the world, right? Beloved coach, mentor of young men. Yeah. (laughs) Well, seven former wrestlers at Ohio State came out this week and accused him of knowing about sexual abuse and doing nothing about it okay and his story has changed several times and he's actually even used the term well it was just locker room talk but here's where we're moving from here the gop is still standing behind him just like he stood behind roy moore and there's this morality issue once again a powerful person uh i'm not going to say trump oh wait i am going to say trump like just like trump (laughs) And they're fine with this. No matter how bad the sins are, as long as they win, they're going to stand by it. Okay, so let's look at this. And I want to hear from everybody, but just to to put this in context, you know, Democrats had uh, John Conyers. I believe he left the House, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously, Al Franken uh, resigned uh, in somewhat disgrace. There's several more people whose names uh, I'm blanking on, but over the last year, there have been people on both sides of the aisle who've had to leave Congress or the Senate uh, because of these allegations. But you feel that Jordan should remove or resign now, should be removed now, um, even though he's he's claiming that this stuff just didn't happen. Well, no, this stuff actually did happen. There's no disagreement that it happened. He's saying that he didn't know about it. Initially, he said he didn't know about it. Now it's changed to, well, he knew about it, but not in an official capacity. It was just sort of the people in the locker room talking about it. He also said that what they were saying was more like they were joking around about it. They didn't make it sound like a, a real issue to him. He thought it was just, you know, jobs But you know what? The jocks. fact that it, it wasn't like this was a single conversation where like five guys were joking around about a thing that happened once. This went on over a period of 20 years that this doctor who was, was employed by the university, it was a known quantity among the, the athletes on the team that this doctor would find a way to get you out of your clothes and get his hands on your groin if you went into him with an ankle strain. So for Jim Jordan to be saying, I thought it was a joke. You know what? That's That joke goes on too long. That Too many people making that joke. It, it, you, it stops being okay. funny. Right. And so even though this all happened, you know, some 20, well, what was it, maybe 15 years ago? Sure. Um, the, the doctor left the university in 1998. He committed suicide in 2005. I don't know at what point Jim Jordan left the university, but the, 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 clearly the allegations against this individual stopped at the point that he stopped being an employee. So this is where I always get in trouble because I take a contrarian view and I know it upsets people. Yeah, yeah, walk lightly. We're talking about allegations that are 20 years old. I still believe that the place for things like this to be litigated is in a courtroom. I think it is amazingly great that these young men or or you know, at that time young men came forward and opened up about what happened there. 
It was a horrible situation. I believe that it happened. I think everybody believes that it happened. But what we're litigating here or what we're talking about here is whether one assistant coach knew about it and could have prevented it. And maybe he could have. But there is, in this case, Kevin, there is literally no other venue to discuss this except in the court of public opinion because the assailant is dead. There can be literally no justice. This is the last venue for this but conversation. Is it justice to, to is it justice to to railroad this guy out of Congress if we don't know for sure? Well, his name is not the only name being bandied about. They're talking about the head coach of the wrestling program. I imagine the name of the athletic director from that period will come up. It's it, you know Jim Jordan has the misfortune of having the most public job of any of these people. But I'd be willing to bet the internal investigations going on in the university and the things that the NCAA are going to be you know coming and swarming the records that they kept at the time. This this isn't going to stop with Jim Jordan. But additionally, additionally, this isn't a private company. We're talking about Jim Jordan, who represents the people of Ohio. And he showed such poor judgment that he literally confused allegations of sexual abuse and jokes and locker room talk, as he calls it. That's such poor judgment that he himself should take it upon himself to resign. That is where I take issue with this. I mean, Joe Paterno lost his job over something like this, and he was Joe a Paterno, legend. Joe Paterno should lose his job for that. They should tear down every statue and 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 plow this ground to salt where they were for yeah. shit like that. I mean, yeah. seriously. Well, I, look, yeah. I, I, I have points. I, I have I have plenty of reasons not to like Jim Jordan. Uh, he took what was supposed to be a bastion of limited government views and ideas, namely the House Freedom Caucus, and essentially turned it into the Donald Trump's phalanx. Uh, it was embarrassing, it was sickening, uh, and it was one of, the, one of the many reasons why I felt good leaving the Republican Party. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, people in power will try to will try to cling to power and try to avoid the, avoid the reckoning in this as much as possible. You're actually seeing this in Canada, where uh, a reporter... Who was uh, who claims Justin Trudeau groped her 18 years ago? Uh, has put you know put her case forward, and no one is really. Every time the Prime Minister of Canada is asked about it, he comes up with increasingly bizarre word salads to do everything except answer the direct question of what happened on that particular day. So it really shouldn't surprise us that Jim Jordan is trying to throw to do everything except deal with the fact that. Clearly, this was something that he, about which he probably knew, and about which he did exceedingly little. Uh, and that's something for which he'll have to answer. Now, whether, whether that happens before the November election or on election day itself is up to him and his voters. And additionally, though, to that, this is something that fellow Republicans, though, should be jumping on and saying we want to distance ourselves from him but they're not you know this is well, just like roy moore just well, like is, i'm just going like to say Mark just Foley. like just like donald trump and that tape you know everyone should be running from cover from these gentlemen i'm going to use the word gentlemen but i shouldn't from these these guys they're terrible but they're not because these are people in power um and at a certain point, we should say, no, wrong is wrong. 
you know. I mean, but remember how long it took them to get rid of Mark Foley when it became clear that he was trying to solicit sex with underage pages who were employed by the House of Representatives. The Republican Party is not known for taking swift and decisive action on this. Okay, looking at other stuff in the news, North Korea, my my man Kim. Oh, I thought he was Greg's man. I thought Kim and Greg were best friends. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're tight, but not like not like uh, Dennis Rodman and yeah. <laughs> like you and Dennis Rodman, Greg, or you do you get yeah, exactly. you have something to tell us about yourself and the Rodster? Well, <laughs> everyone says they're best friends with Dennis Rodman. <laughs> I mean it's true it's true. Greg, I've never met Dennis Rodman. Oh, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> Made your day. So apparently the word denuclearization or denuclearize has different meanings to different countries. In the United States, it means give up your nuclear weapons. And in North Korea, it means no, you go first. Um, so DJ, where do, where do we stand with all of this? And is Trump going to get a, a win out of this just because he claims that he's denuclearized the peninsula, even though nothing like that has happened or will happen? You know, first of all, before we really get into this, in one respect, you have to hand it to Donald Trump. I've never seen a politician evoke Adolf Hitler and Neville Chamberlain at the same time. That's impressive. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, this – an administration that knew what it was doing would have anticipated this and never agreed to the summit in the first place. Uh, When when North Korea talks about denuclearization – what they mean is denuclearization of the entire peninsula. That means we withdraw our umbrella of nuclear protection over South Korea. And usually, as you mentioned, Kevin, we do that first. Uh, again, the last three or four administrations have grappled with this. None of them managed to really make any progress. But they did not do what Trump did. They did not have a one-on-one summit. They did not give fulsome praise to North Korea. They did not sign a piece of paper uh, effectively claiming it was peace in our time. And what worries me more than North Korea's behavior, because North Korea's behavior was expected, was the fact that so many of the Trump and proletariat are simply going to say, are simply going to ignore this and believe their fearless leader when he says everything is fine, as he actually did this week, uh, as the revelations were coming Yeah, he didn't say it was just fine. He said that he was the only thing that had, had stopped an inevitable war between North Korea. And us. Well, and he also claimed he also claimed that they have denuclearized, which of course is absurd. Right. That he delivered on his promise. Yes. That uh, he was the only person in the world who could have done this, which of course means lying. And he also and, sold um, us some Trump stakes. And and and, he, and the and the worrisome thing is, some thirty five percent to forty five percent of the the voters in the United States. Believe him when he says demonstrably false things. So, but my, my I shouldn't say my favorite. I, I got to stop doing things like that because it's not favorite. It's sad. The saddest thing about this is I saw a talking head today on Meet the Press say, well, let's remember Trump got us out of the Iran deal because it was so terrible and the Iran nuclear deal because they were cheating so badly and it, they were, you know, doing all sorts of terrible things with their, their deal. And so luckily he got us out of that terrible deal and he was so close with this one and it still could happen. And I was thinking, wait, that deal actually was working and this one's going belly up. You're actually saying the complete opposite thing and people are believing you. 
And no one's calling shenanigans. <laughs> well, we so, are. I mean, you know, we're, we are. The, the yeah. four of us, yeah. we're going to change the name of this to the shenanigan crew. <laughs> we need like a buzzard or something like shenanigans or something like that you know who i'm calling shenanigans on rudy giuliani oh he's the oh, best rudy God. giuliani he's who the best. this week put i thought in the past that he had said the most preposterous things that i'd ever heard but he topped himself this week when rudy giuliani actually said with a straight face the prosecutor's in the case against my client, should present to us, the defendants, his case, and we will decide whether it is a legitimate case or not. <laughs> I mean, that's what he said. That's what he said. Where did he go to law school again? I mean, did, did, like, did he go to law school? I mean, <laughs> You mean before he was a U.S. federal prosecutor? Right, yeah. I mean, did we check his credentials? Because <laughs> he says lots of things. They aren't all true. <laughs> So he so he basically said before he would allow Trump to testify, which he's not going to do, that that Mueller has to present his case and prove it to the Trump people. So uh, they would then have some response, assuming that they decided it was a valid case. Yeah, <laughs> I you just know, find it amusing. I mean, it's, it's great. yeah. I mean, he's not. He's obviously not talking real law. He's talking to the television audience. And as we have discovered from what what DJ was saying just a minute ago, those people will believe anything. Um, but you know what's going? The, the Mueller investigation has been you know tight as a drum lately. We haven't heard anything out of it except for you know the fact that Paul Manafort is now in solitary confinement for like twenty three and a half hours a day, and he's kind of miserable. And I don't, I don't feel bad for him. Um, but you know Mueller's hiring more prosecutors. He's bringing on more staff to investigate this. He's, he's drawing from. The Department of Justice. He's drawing from states' attorneys' offices. This this isn't an investigation that's winding down. Exactly. Know. Exactly. So um, you know, if Rudy Giuliani thinks that there's some conclusion happening and that he's going to get to be judge and jury on it, he's sadly mistaken. At least I hope he's sadly mistaken. If it turns out he's right, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's not that he's right. It's not that he's right, Rebecca. And once again, this is the part where I calmly explain how it's worse than you think. Um, <laughs> I miss I miss this part. This is the best part for me. Go on. Because <laughs> the fact of the matter is he Giuliani knows that the Mueller investigation is not wrapping up anytime soon. He's laying the expectation that it will wrap up soon so that when it does not wrap up soon, he can then claim that Mueller is be is acting out of turn and behaving badly and generally extending the witch hunt, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They're laying the groundwork to get into high dudgeon and score more political attacks against uh, Mueller in the future and attempt to undermine political support for it. And the really sad part is, with the Trump and proletariat, it probably will work. Can I ask a quick question to everybody all around? Who says the most ridiculous things? Like when you when you hear it, your eyes like you almost like strain yourself because of your eye roll. Like you're like, oh, I, I went off balance. Who says the most ridiculous things? Giuliani or Kellyanne Conway? Oh God, that's hard. I know, I know. Trump. Yeah, well, oh. yeah, but he's. Well, Trump. I'm, no, I'm, I'm sorry, he's he's lapped the field twice. <laughs> he's the answer to that question, even if he's not part of multiple choice. <laughs> okay, so who comes in second? Who comes in I second? I would say I would say Giuliani, frankly. I think he says more ridiculous things than Kellyanne Conway. Yeah, I mean, I I think Kellyanne Conway is mindful of not getting sued or. 
event, you know, in the long run. Because his carries the weight of being an attorney. Hers carries the weight of being, I was going to make a poor sexist joke, but I won't. She's a PR flag. <laughs> Go ahead. You yeah. can say that. Thank you. Thank you. That that one will, will fly. Oh, and Giuliani went to NYU Law School. Uh, New York University oh, Law School. Really? So, yeah, he was he was dating his cousin at the time. I think. I, I think if we're at the point where we have to question Rudy Giuliani's legal pedigree, <laughs> it's a little crazy. <laughs> the man was a federal prosecutor. He cut his teeth being a federal prosecutor. He knows the law. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, yeah, he was mayor of New York. That means nothing. Well, I mean, in, in many cases, it means you know the law well enough to circumvent it. <laughs> when it comes to being mayor of New York, yes, that is true. <laughs> and that's the thing that always, I mean, he was, in my opinion, and granted your mileage may vary, he was actually a very good mayor of New York. You know, he helped write that city. Had he just simply retired and gone off into the sunset on January 1st, 2002, his reputation would be entirely different than the mud-caked fiasco that it is now. But that's all on him. Mudcaked Fiasco is the name of Greg's college band. Yes. Oh, there for, we go. For the record, Michael Cohen went to um, went to uh, the Thomas M. Cooley Law School in Lansing, Michigan, which is considered one of the worst law schools in America. That's just. Oh, a- I thought it was considered the worst. It, it is. By I thought many. it was, in fact, the the bottom of the barrel. It's it's hard to say. Some would say some would say Duke because Duke sucks. Well, <laughs> so listen, I'm going to jump in here. We have set a uh, more perfect union record. We have covered three topics in only 21 minutes. Woo-hoo! Let's see if we can keep that going. Uh, this week we just all spent a wonderful July Fourth in the bosoms of our families, or in the bosom of someone else. I hope, except for eight GOP senators who decided to spend the Fourth of July in the bosom of Russian officials in Moscow. So, DJ, uh, why do you think they did that, and what should we take away from it? What we should take away from it is, is frankly, very, very disturbing. When when Russian dissidents like Gary Kasparov on Twitter are questioning what are questioning the values and interests of the Republican Party, then the Republican Party has a serious problem. I remember when the Republican Party stood up for American interests against our enemies and against tyranny when they stood up for democracy around the world. Now, they're essentially standing up for and cozying with a tyrant in Moscow because either he likes Trump or he kills a bunch of Muslims in Chechnya uh, or he says nice things about Christianity because the Russian Orthodox Church is essentially a wholly owned subsidiary of his regime. Uh, none, of these are, none of these are good reasons to like Vladimir Putin. Uh, and I really don't see what the Republican Party is doing, unless they know that the Trump-Putin alliance involves some sort of nefarious activity, and they are simply letting it infect their entire party. Okay, we, we the, the world could speculate why eight GOP senators, well, seven GOP senators and one congressman, uh, went to Russia to meet with Russian officials. But if you're going to do that, I mean, senators and congressmen go on junkets all the time. They go on fact-finding missions all the time. It could have been a legitimate trip. It probably was. My question is, who came up with the bright idea to do it on the 4th of July? I mean, what kind of optics is that? Yeah, and frankly, all the optics is terrible. Anytime Ted Kennedy went to the Soviet Union, Republicans had a field day for weeks, <laughs> if not months. 
Okay. Uh, so the idea that eight of them think, oh, yeah, it's a good time to go to Moscow in the first week of July so that we can celebrate Independence Day uh, in the belly of the beast. You know, I'm sorry, whoever whoever the PR flack responsible for that was should have should have been fired. And the other thing is they, they keep calling this a CODEL. Uh, congressional delegations are generally, you know, they're they're members of Congress going to another country to have high level meetings, to gather information. It, it's it, they're very much f- friendly kind of ceremonial occasions. And they're also usually bipartisan. I don't know that if I've ever heard of a totally partisan CODEL before. Okay, so here's here's another question that I have, and I'm going to direct it at you, Rebecca. Um, we've got people now who are directly being harmed by a trade war, or trade wars, I should say, uh, including nail makers who've lost their jobs, soybean growers are going to be affected, and yet these people still support Trump. Is you know, it's, and self-interest, def, you know, should not necessarily be a political motivator, but it should be part of the equation. Is self-interest like an, an anachronism in our country now? Is, is self-interest dead in America? I was asking myself the same question. I was reading an article this week about whatever the – there's a nail company. DJ, you probably know the name of it – that – is getting hit hard with the because of the steel and aluminum tariffs, and uh, they're they're not able to import steel from Mexico, or they or they are, but they're having to pay the higher rates for it, and it's it's affecting their bottom line. And they've already had to let about sixty people go. And I think it was it was either the New York Times or the Washington Post went in and was interviewing these people who've been let go, and they're all saying, "No, I still support Donald Trump. He's really in this for the big picture. I know this sucks for me. I know this is probably going to mow down my town." in the short run, but I think there's something really good coming. And, you know, and the same is true with the soy farmers who are about to get hit with 25% import tariffs by the Chinese so that, it, you know, and, and selling soy to China is $14 billion a year in U.S. business. This isn't minor industry, but the the major producers are still behind Trump based on what I've heard from folks I know who work in ag policy. And, you know, you kind of get it when you're a major soy agribusiness baron, like you're, you're big business, you're getting tax cuts and, and, you know, not having to pay for health insurance for people and stuff because of Trump. But these folks who've lost their job in these little towns where there's really only one industry and no plan to, to ease the burdens of the tariffs or, or bring in new business. What the hell? I mean, this guy ruined your life for no good reason. Well, first of all, they haven't felt the effects yet. But the ones who are who do, got fired in the past month did. Yeah. The, the ones like, from midcontinental. The ones from mid-continental lost your job? Yeah, the ones from midcontinental nail. And to be fair, I actually had to look that up on my phone while Rebecca was talking. So no, I didn't know that before. I had actually forgotten it twice. <laughs> um, but yeah, they they had actually been fired. Yeah, and and there's it's not like there's anything else. You know, they can't go be a greeter at Walmart or how many or get of them another fired, DJ, Did the job. article say it's sixty right now? But the the company okay, is looking so for more sixty cuts. people lost their jobs. That's sixty families. That's maybe a uh, hundred twenty to to two hundred people that were affected. It's I hate to say this. It's insignificant to Trump and to his minions. So a, a hundred. So sixty people lost their jobs. So what? We're in a war with Canada. We're in a war with China, and we're going to win it 
and those are going to be just, you know, casualties of the war that we're going to win, and it's all good because America's going to come out in the end on top. That's their attitude. And the pro- and the, there, there are two problems with that, though. One is that you, when it comes to economic policy and international trade, you don't win wars. You just lose them. Uh, you they get, don't know that. I, I get you're, that. You're uh, correct. I, you're I, correct. I get that they don't know that. Be- yeah. as, as Trump would say, believe me, I get that they don't know that. I understand <laughs> that. The other thing is I'm just confused as to where this grand communitarian impulse and concern for their fellow man was when they were actually casting votes in 2016. Because in 2016, supposedly, they voted for Trump because they were angry, they were tired of being ignored, and they wanted somebody to listen to them. And the person that they voted for took their job away in some ridiculous um, trade war because they're dumb enough to think that trade balances are profit and loss statements. And now, all of a sudden, they're thinking about the bigger picture and they're willing to make sacrifices to their country. I'm sorry, but I don't buy it. I actually think more than a few of these folks are simply still trying to justify their vote in 2016 because they don't want to admit to, don't want to admit to themselves, let alone admit to anybody else, that their vote was driven by hatred of their fellow man and woman who do not look like them. And so that was the large impetus behind their vote, because if it really was concern over economic anxiety, this would have made it worse. And they would have said, like a number of Obama voters did when they were not happy with Obama the first year or two, particularly that real estate agent from Northern Virginia, who I can't remember, her exact words, I feel like I've been punked. We haven't heard that from any single Trump voter, which tells you that maybe it really wasn't about economic anxiety and displacement that led them to cast their votes in the wonder, the wonder bread white Midwest. And I was going to, I was going to say something very similar to that, that Trump gave them permission to be angry and spiteful and prejudiced against different groups of people. And I think they like being allowed to do that so much that nothing else really matters, that the freedom to be able to say the things that they've felt suppressed from saying for so many decades is heady they're giddy with it and that's disappointing do you guys get i I don't know about your facebook feed but my facebook feed is just filled with these horrible articles about you know these these hateful people calling the police on you know little kids mowing the lawn lawn yeah i get that too or, you know, someone just walking down the street for no reason and just because of the color of their skin. Um, and I don't, and I, and I talk to, I'll, I'll be, I'll be honest, like family members and I'll say, did you guys see this? And they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about because their Facebook fa- feed is obviously different from my Facebook feed. I get the very liberal version of Facebook. I guess it's called like left book or something like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I get some a left book and some a right book. My 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 Facebook feed is a complete mess. But I have actually had family members who have said to my face that they like Vladimir Putin because he's white. That's so that um, what? Wow! Because yes. you know, some lady just died in England after being exposed to that nerve agent again, and you know, white he, he, being he, white he, is he, not like always he, a good thing. He he will he will he will say that he will say. That that was a uh, that was a false flag operation by the British government. He has said it. 
Wow. Really? The More Perfect Union, brought to you by the Wonder Bread White Rural America. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> the More Perfect Union, real debate without the hate, now heard on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Okay, so let's come back with where we started, which was Greg yelling at officials of the U.S. government. Oh my gosh, <laughs> this is where we should. <laughs> But no, you know, you know, we're just joking around here. But Greg, I don't believe, was out yelling at anybody this week. Maybe about those kids on his lawn. But um, but I was but yelling people at people were them. yelling at uh, Mitch McConnell and Scott Brewer and Steve Bannon. Yeah, and uh, it's a yell fest. It is. <laughs> it is. And the people on the right are clutching their pearls and saying things like, "Oh my goodness, where is civility?" And "Oh my, <laughs> oh my, we've never seen such things," which is amazing because their short term memory. It's like most of them have just woken up from this like uh, coma, or it's like a Robin Williams movie. <laughs> <laughs> and they sit there going, you know, the past eight years, we have just been like, I, I, I all, I picture everyone. They like, don't remember the Michelle Obama gorilla memes oh, that no. they sent around. No, none of them have remembered <laughs> the past eight years, and they're like, the, the I can't believe you would impide, impugn the the importance of these offices, <laughs> the impunity which you do. Uh, and I'm like, is is this a joke? And they go, you should only do this between eight and five because they have homes. And I'm like, is is this a joke? You 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 did terrible things. You you burned these officials in effigy. There's all these pictures, and they're like, I don't think that was me. I don't think that was the right. <laughs> yeah, right. It was another false flag. It was right. Yeah. That was a that was a different uh, right wing conservative party. Um, no, oh my, and it's it's amazing. But no, if right now that's what we got and that's what we do. Um, and these people should be called out, not because of who they are. Okay, it's because of what they've done. We are calling them out on their actions because they've done bad things and what happens when you do bad things bad things happen to you and i must say if you are listening please do not harm these people do not throw anything at them but it's your right to say things like hey mitch mcconnell you're an asshole uh, they didn't or, even say that. They were no. saying, Senator McConnell, where are the babies? Right. That's and, what they said. They, like, that's not an offensive thing to say. It's, no. hey, Senator McConnell, where are the babies? What have you done with the babies? Where Tell us are where the, the babies, babies are. Where are the babies? Let's talk about that. The DNA test for asylum seekers. Well, hang on. I, I have seen reports that one of them said we, know, said, we know where you live. And that that gets into a fuzzy line. Yeah, I agree. That's that's and, a threatening and more, statement. And more to the po- and more to the point, I would just say, from a matter of pragmatism, don't do it to Mitch McConnell because he's going to whip out his phone and fundraise on it before he even gets to his car. I agree. All you're going to do is is pad his campaign, his reelection fi- campaign finance account. I know. If if anyone saw the the Scott the uh, Pruitt one where the the uh, mother goes up with her child and and just very nicely says, "Hi, this is my child. Um, she would like you. We both think you should resign." And and gave like four or five really good reasons why he should resign. And obviously, it worked because <laughs> he listened <laughs> because to he her. did resign. I think he was so moved. That's what I think happened. 
She actually threatened to bring those lions over from South Africa, the ones that ate the poachers. That was the yeah. part that wasn't recorded. <laughs> well, the best part was that he started and he looked at her and she was a young, attractive woman and he thought she was a fan. And he was like, why, hello. Uh, and he goes, she goes, oh, excuse me, are you the EPA? And he goes, why, well, yes, yes, I am. And you could see in his face, like, all the blood drain. And he was like, oh, no, here it comes. And. And it was a great. Well and, done. And you know, this, this, this is just an example. I mean, cause I, I have actually put my name on a ballot. I have talked to voters and I have talked to voters who are hostile to me. Uh, and they're. No. Yeah, I, I have. No. Uh, and <laughs> the idea, I mean, yes, if somebody is yelling at you and threatening you, that's a bit of a problem. But if someone is talking to you and expressing their disagreement, then for me, that was always an opportunity to have a conversation, show I was responsive. You know, if, if we're going to have a disagreement, we're going to have a disagreement, but at least try to present my point of view. I've actually, I actually won over a few voters doing that when I ran. Not enough to actually win the election, but that's a different issue. Uh, but the, you know, the fact of, the fact that every official seems to think that interacting with the, that, interacting with constituents is a risk to be avoided rather than an opportunity to be seized just says everything you need to know about what this administration is and why it really needs to be sent to pasture on in November of 2020. Well, let's also not forget that when Gabby Giffords went out and tried to interact with the public, she got shot in the head. So they're all a little afraid of that, too. Well, two things. One, DJ, I find you delightful, and I can't imagine anyone <laughs> disagreeing with you. A true gem. And two, I the one... Uh, politician or public figure who I found, who I actually know, who've met, who would convince more people than ever, if you ever want to take a guess, Jerry Springer was brilliant. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Not kidding. I spent a day uh, shadowing, working with him or shadowing him. He was excellent at doing that. But that's where I'll leave that. At, pre at pressing the flesh, I mean? Yes, yes. People would come up screaming at him and literally start the conversation with, Hey, Jerry, you're a scumbag. And he would say, Come over here. I think I want to talk to you for a second. And then by the end, they would say, I want you to be my senator. Um, it was He's really smart, excellent, and I would vote for him as senator in a heartbeat. Okay, so let's turn to uh, the asylum seekers and the children. There's now 3,000 of them that uh, they cannot uh, get back to their parents one way or the other. Apparently, the Trump administration is asking for more time. A judge will decide on that tomorrow. Uh, I suspect that the judge will not give the Trump administration more time. And Jessica, my girlfriend, who you all know, raised a really good question to me this week. I didn't have an answer for it. I wonder whether you, one of you did, or does, I should say. I wonder whether one of you does. Suppose the judge says, no, you cannot have more time, and the administration can't do it. What happens then? Um, I imagine there'd be some sort of contempt of court finding, but I don't know what the actual punishment would be. Who would be held in contempt of court? The Justice Department? It would be DHS. It, it would be the Department of Home of uh, not DHS of um, HHS, the Department of Health and Human Services are the ones hosting the children and possibly um, uh, the Office of Refugee Resettlement or the whichever federal enforcement agency is, is housing the adults. Yeah, that would make sense. That would make sense. I mean, that's, that's, that's the best I can think of. Um, you know, technically, usually when you're the government and you're ordered by another branch of the government to do governmental things, you, you, you do it. 
And but what if, if you if, can't and, do it? If you can't do it, then you file for extensions and explain what the mitigating circumstances are. But these guys are assholes, so it's kind of a different. A well, they, different they game. yeah they 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 can't you they can't they can, the the only two mitigating circumstances they can claim are one we were so freaking incompetent that we forgot to we forgot to keep track of children and parents or two. Well, we were really trying to just create an incentive for no one, for no one to come into this country by make, getting the word out that we'll, that we will not only deport you, but we will steal your kid and put him with an American family and you'll never see them again. Neither one is actually something you want to put in front of a judge. No, I mean, th- right now this, this whole thing is such a mess when the, when the government was trying to argue for more time on Friday, the judge actually wanted to carry over arguments until Saturday morning. And the, this was in the one of the ACLU lawsuits, I believe. And the ACLU lawyers were like, we're here, we're down, Saturday morning, which sounds good. The government lawyer is like, ooh, I have dog-sitting obligations this weekend. And so the judge <laughs> allowed the, the whole thing to be continued over till Monday. And I'm reading this thinking, wait, so they care more about the well-being of one dog Is that true? Like they literally had a dog sitting? Yes, That's... she had to go back to Colorado because of her dog. You're kidding. I thought you were just I'm making that up. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. And the and the court allowed this and didn't say, no, you know, call your dog sitter, tell her to get on the case. One dog. Thousands of children versus one dog. It this is it's it, it sounds like it should be a joke, but when you break it down, it's pretty appalling where we are on this. So back to back to DJ's thing real quick. Back to DJ's thing. Um yeah, I'm referencing you, so you, you don't worry. Cool. Um Stupid versus evil, that literally could be the title of the first two years of this administration, let alone this whole debacle, stupid versus evil. You could flip a coin, everything. Well, I don't know. Maybe we didn't know this, and uh, I don't know. Or it's evil. That's okay. the crazy so part. On, on the topic, here's, that's a great transition. On the topic of stupid versus evil. Apparently, the United States went to the World Trade Organization and actually started twisting arms of other countries to oppose a resolution saying that breastfeeding is the preferred method of providing nutrition to infants. The United States is now firmly and formally against breastfeeding. And of course, we all know that there's, there's money interest behind it. Who wants to who wants to feel that one, Rebecca? Oh, yeah, I'll I'll take it. I yeah, I I'm I'm going out on a limb and saying I have the most experience with breastfeeding on this cast. You know, you guys are free <laughs> to contradict me if it turns out that you have breastfed for more than twenty four months of your life. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just saying I'm a mom of two kids, and uh, I, I've been told anything with nipples you can milk, but uh... yeah, I, I, I'm not going to put that to the test, Greg. Um, <laughs> Cats have nipples, you know. Yeah, the little like uh, that scene yeah. in Meet the Fockers. Yeah, yeah. Meet the Parents. Yeah, uh, okay. I, I know. I know where you're going with this. That's Stiller. <laughs> um, so uh, the, the the U.S. government was actually leveling threats to pull the, this. This whole meeting was taking place in Ecuador, and the government was literally leveling threats to withhold uh, military protection from Ecuador if if this moved forward, and it it, it was just strong arming against this resolution that's based on very good science um, at the behest of formula manufacturers. Now, 
I'm going to start this by saying formula is a life-saving invention. It has nourished millions of human beings uh, since it first came on the market. It is valuable in and of itself. I am now going to say that formula manufacturers, despite making something that is a really fantastic product, are bad actors. And I say that because they are so determined to increase market share that they use deceptive and manipulative practices to try and convince uh, parents in developing nations to use formula when they don't have adequate equipment for sterilizing bottles, they don't have clean or potable water, and they do not have the money to actually afford formula. These are people who would be better off breastfeeding because it is safer and more nutrient-rich, and instead they are trying to convince doctors and midwives and pediatricians in areas like the Philippines and in Africa to convince their patients to use formula, saying it is somehow better than breast milk in the Babies become malnourished, they get uh, parasitic infections, and they die. And this is directly the fault of marketing practices in the formula company. This is not something that the United States government should be supporting. I'm I'm very angry. There is 40 years of history on this that these companies um, are not actually in it for the good of babies who need an alternate nutrition source. They are in it for profits. Results be damned. And that's the end of my rant. Yeah. And if they would watch Handmaid's Tale, they would know all of this. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know if you guys remember the Nestle boycott in the 70s and the 80s. Nestle was famous for marketing formula in areas of Africa where the water was unclean and babies were becoming very, very sick as a result of drinking this formula that was because it was mixed with unclean water, was loaded with bacteria and with parasites, and and they would get sick, they would die. There were massive international boycotts of Nestle until they stopped this practice. There are still countries in the EU that do oversight to make sure that that Nestle is adhering to best practices. There are supposed to be laws to prevent that sort of thing now, but they often get overlooked. Now, just just so that our listeners understand the full story, this did go through eventually because yeah, uh, it was sponsored by Russia, at the and end. that's the point I was going to get to. Of all the people who came through, the good guy in this, um, after the USA was like, no, 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 Russia came through and sponsored it, and the USA couldn't bully Russia. God, right, and we- and the reason that they're that they're the good guys is because Putin's white, so. <laughs> Well, and also they don't have a major food processing industry in Russia. That's unbelievable. <laughs> pretty we much us. A, we live in a messed up world. So talking about uh, nipples, Scarlett Johansson was in the news again this week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Do you think she wants us speaking about her nipples? I'm quite certain she doesn't. I have too much respect for her. <laughs> Well, Scarlett Johansson is in the news because um, she has been cast to play a trans individual in a new motion picture. A trans man, assigned male at birth, assigned female at birth, transitioned to male later on. That that's the character's background, right? And it's a it's a it's a real person. It's this is a a movie based on the life of a a real human being. Yes, a a true story. The trans community and and others in the LBG community. Uh, LBGT community, I should say, are up in arms because they feel that a trans individual should only be played by a trans actor. What do you guys think? Okay, I'll jump in on that one. 
that argument, I think, is really, uh, really a tough argument to back. Because if they're saying that only a trans actor can play a trans character, what they're inversely saying is only a cis character can be only portrayed by a cis actor. Or only a gay actor can play a gay character. Right. And the trans community has been calling for um, more opportunities for auditions and for more opportunities to play non-trans roles. The only ar- the arguments that I've heard that I think ring more true, okay, is that Scarlett Johansson playing a man portrays to the audience i have to be careful with my wording because i don't want to offend and so i'll talk slightly slower and i'll actually think about my words scarlett johansson playing a man is not the same thing as a trans individual it's for the perception of is a woman dressing up as a man and that's not the same thing it's not an actual trans individual so it gives the perception of that's what trans men are women dressing up as men even subconsciously okay and i see that okay it's not the same as blackface but i've heard that term um and some people are uncomfortable with it um with this portrayal like cross-dressing it's different as a person who once was an actor I, you know, my my initial instinct is always give the part to the person best able to play the part. But there have been so few opportunities for trans performers in Hollywood that it seems a real shame not to give right of first refusal to a role like this to a trans performer. To at least at least extend a casting call into the trans community and say, show us what you got. That, that, but here's the thing. That is exactly the opposite of what I think trans actors want. They should be considered for every role, but it should not be gender based. Trans actors want acting roles, not necessarily roles portraying another trans person. Right. And I agree with that, but you know, this might be the threshold. This is, this is the first step well, on that staircase. Be. And again, it, uh, you know, I mean, not that I have to have a, a badge of, of, you know, validity here, but I have a trans person in my family. So I, I believe that I'm sensitive to the issues. And by the way, he would disagree with me very vehemently about this. And he's going to be pissed off if he listens to the podcast. <laughs> Thank God he won't. But, um, <laughs> How many families can we pick? Yeah, because I mean, we, we piss off Greg's brother at least once a week. And, it, and if he did, he'd never get 45 minutes in, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but I, I just, I really believe that, yes, it's important for gay actors to get more roles and lesbian actors to get more roles and trans actors to get more roles and every category should have opportunities to get as many roles as possible but that is different than saying a role can only be played by a trans person it is acting we do not hire mafiosos to play tony soprano i think i think the other aspect i mean we've talked about the trans community, and we've talked about 
um, other aspects, but I think we're forgetting the most important thing in Hollywood, and it's not the acting community or the trans community or even the LGBTQT community. It's the box office. It's the money. Show me the money. Yes, you need somebody that can open this. That can open a movie, especially a movie about a. Uh, a topic that might be of questionable interest to a mass audience. Yeah, let's yes. be let's be quite honest. This movie probably wouldn't be made. And from what I understand, Scarlett Johansson is one of the producers. This movie, uh, it wouldn't be made without her. Without well, having- that's the other thing is she's probably the the driving force in making the movie. It's not that she got yeah. cast in it. It's well, that there wouldn't be a movie without her. Right. The, yeah. Right. I mean, so this is a so, story that a certain group of creators want. And this sounds very Sundancey. This doesn't even sound like a, a major release. Yeah. So it's kind of hard for me to begrudge her that she had this vi- that, you know, she's one of the producers. They came and said, hey, this movie's not going to be made without you, obviously. So should she turn it down and say, it's not going to be made? Or will this bring more uh, recognition and make an interesting story? Once again, I understand, at least I think I understand, and I feel for the trans community, but at the same time, I also understand, um, and I'm going side with Scarlett Johansson, mainly because I'm a huge fan of hers. Um, yeah, also. But if you ever see her in public, you're going to yell at her, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I scream, shame, shame. (laughs) Where are the kids? Shame. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Please follow us on Twitter at hashtag MPU podcast and on Facebook at facebook.com slash more perfect union podcast and share our link on your Facebook timeline. So what can happen, everybody? Your friends can visit us as well. You've been listening. Good for you, Rebecca. I didn't know there was going to be a test. I'm sorry. I was really worried when there was a pause there. Yeah, I didn't study for that. Sorry. And if you would like to join us in our political debate between shows, DJ, tell them where they should find us. Uh, They can find us and lots of Russian bots on open fire. There aren't Russian bots on open fire. Oh, yes, they are. Come on now. There have been a lot of open bot- Russian bots on Twitter lately. It's bad. The- it's like Putin's worried about the midterms or something. I think he's paid for more bots. <laughs> Greg, if you were a bot, what kind of a bot would you be? I- I'd be the uh, I'd be the robot from Lost in Space, so I could <laughs> so I could flail my arms and just go danger, danger. Except I wouldn't say danger. I'd say shame, shame. <laughs> flail my arms. <laughs> <laughs> What's the big deal, deal? Where can you get pizza, bread twists, specialty chicken, and more for just five ninety nine each? Is it at Domino's? He hands off hand tossed pizza and a marble cookie brownie. He's going, going, going! There's a lot of variety on the radio and at Domino's too, where you can mix and match two or more. Five ninety nine each at Domino's. Two item minimum pan pizza, bone and wings, and bread bowls will be extra. Ask for this limited time offer. Prices, participation, delivery area, and charges may vary. Is your cell phone bill out of control? Then this is your wake-up call. The new TrackPhone Wireless gives you unlimited talk and text starting at $20 a month, no contract, plus unlimited carryover data with active service. Yep, the new TrackPhone Wireless. Now you're in control. See terms and conditions at trackphone.com.